Well, how about that? One series in the books and the Tigers are 500. Uh, this is Locked on Tigers, your daily 15-minute show about all things Tigers, and I'm your host, Chris Brown. Today, we're going to talk about the series split with Toronto, look a bit deeper into some small sample size numbers, which are always fun, and then we're going to get a preview of the next series from Stacy Gatsoulias, who writes for Baseball Prospectus and happens to host Locked on Yankees. Uh, you know where you can find Locked on Yankees? On all your favorite podcast networks, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, Himalaya. And when you get in your car, invite us along for your commute by saying play podcast Locked on Tigers or Locked on Yankees or Locked on Lions or Locked on Pistons or any of the other fine shows on the Locked on Podcast Network. So, the last time we talked, the Tigers were coming off a nice 2 nothing win on opening day. Things looked awfully ugly after that, uh, but the Tigers managed to squeeze out another win on Sunday, and all things considered, it was a good series, I guess? Uh, generally speaking, if you can go 500 on the road and play a bit better at home, you're going to be in good shape. I don't expect that to happen, but uh, we should celebrate when the Tigers get it done. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll start with Friday night's game, uh, when De- Detroit's bats got absolutely silent by Matt Shoemaker and Javi Guerra. They struck out nine times. They got just two hits, both from Nick Castellanos. So uh, if the Tigers had traded Nick Castellanos away, they would have been no hit. Guaranteed, because that's how things work in my head. Uh, but yeah, Jamer Candelario went 0-4 for 4 with four strikeouts. It was uh, kind of ugly for him. Matt Boyd had solid stuff. His fastball was sitting around 91, which is you know pretty much average for him. But he missed, uh, missed some bats with it, and he got 11 swings and misses with his slider and his curveball. They were, they were looking good, but he ran into some trouble uh, in there, there in the, what, the fourth inning. He finished with 10 strikeouts, which is just one shy of his uh, career high that he set last September against St. Louis. But that fourth inning got him. He leadoff walk, then two singles, made it one nothing, And it looked like he might get out of it, but then he gave up another single to center that uh, would have scored two runs. And then Mikey Matuk booted it uh, to make it uh, 4 nothing. And I don't really blame that one on Mikey Matuk playing center field, you know, out of position. I just kind of blame it on Mikey Matuk playing at all. And I, I don't mean that to be, like, super mean, but he's, you know, he's a fourth outfielder. And sometimes they make plays like that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that was a six nothing loss on Friday night looked ugly and then the Tigers came back with another dud on Saturday getting shut out for the second straight time this time at the hands of Aaron Sanchez who's uh you know, generally considered a better pitcher than Matt Shoemaker, but uh, still. And then he only pitched five innings, so then they brought in four more relievers. The Tigers couldn't touch them, so they struck out 13 more times. Uh, Miggy was two for two with a pair of singles, and then he got hit on the hand and had to come out of the game, which was a scary moment for a bit, but he was right back in the lineup on Sunday, so bullet dodge there. But yeah, really, I mean, that was it. Spencer Turnbull got the start, and, and like every other Tigers pitcher this weekend, he was fantastic first time through the order. I, I heard Dan Dickerson say on the radio that all four Tigers pitchers this uh, weekend basically just demolished the Blue Jays uh, the first time through the order. The Blue Jays were 1-for-37, with the one hit being a, a leadoff triple against Matt Boyd, but then he struck out the side to strand him. Uh, but yeah, Turnbull, after that first time through the order, he struggled in the fourth. I mean, maybe this is one of those uh, reasons why we talk about him moving to the bullpen eventually, but yeah, he gave up a double, an RBI single, a, a walk, and then a homer. Turnbull was absolutely elite at avoiding home runs in the minor leagues. And this one, you know, I don't... It wasn't a terrible pitch. It wasn't... It was a curveball, the, the very bottom of the zone, that Justin Smoke just kind of reached out and hit the opposite way for a home run. He's a big, strong dude. That's going to happen in the majors. I'm sure Turnbull would have liked to get it a little bit lower, but this wasn't like a cookie right down the middle. He just, uh, you know, he didn't make the perfect pitch, and uh, a good hitter got to him. But uh, that was all that mattered because, again, like I said, the Tigers' offense was, was brutal. They didn't get anything done. And then after Turnbull came in, we got to see two and a third innings of scoreless baseball from Daniel Norris, and he looked entirely average in doing that. He walked two guys, no strikeouts, threw 36 pitches, and got one swinging strike. So it wasn't... Uh, a great performance from Norris, but he got the job done. And then we go to Sunday, 
And Matt Moore pulled the Jordan Zimmerman, just blew away any possible expectations. I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. He tossed seven scoreless innings, gave up just two hits and a walk, and struck out six. I tweeted this out, but it was the eighth best start of his career. It was his 150th career start and the eighth best. So that's not a that's not a bad way to start your career with the new team. His fastball was sitting like 93 and touching 95, which is a little bit higher than in the past. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye out for this year. If he's starting to throw harder and still locating, then, then the Tigers may have something here. I'm skeptical but we'll see. And he mixed in his, his cutter and his changeup and his curve. And the cutter and the changeup were pretty good. The curve, not so much. But obviously, you know, this is more than the Tigers could ask for. So he did a great job. But again, the offense was mostly inept. Uh, they were getting completely shut down by Trent Thornton, who, of course, <laughs> on the show on Friday, I declared his minor league numbers garbage, which I, you know, I corrected myself. And the more I looked at him, the more they were pretty good. And he was he was awesome. He was throwing in the mid-90s, big spin on his curveball, threw some changeups, even threw a couple sliders out there. He really had the Tigers hitters off balance. It was two hits and no walks with eight strikeouts through five innings. That's a, I mean, a dynamite debut. Uh, the Tigers' bats finally broke through, though, in the seventh on a two-out bases loaded walk and uh, a big two-run single from Candelario. But I'm sure fans were feeling that, you know, familiar sense of dread in the eighth when Joe Jimenez came in and gave up a single and a double and then a, a three-run homer to tie the game. It was just kind of like, oh, of course, classic Tigers bullpen. But again, this was like, this wasn't a terrible pitch from Jimenez. It was like an 89-mile-an-hour changeup below the zone. But uh, Rowdy Tellez is a big, strong boy. He's got a lot of beef on him, and he went down there and got it and crushed it out the center field, and sometimes you just kind of, you know, I know people hate to say it, but you just tip your cap to the other guy doing his job better than you. But... The Tigers were undeterred. Buck Farmer came in and, and got an inning of, of relief done, and then Daniel Stump did too. They got him to the 11th. And then in the 11th, Grayson Griner and Jamer Candelario and Nick Castellanos hit singles to put him up 4-3. And then Shane Green made it interesting by putting the tying run on third and the winning run on first, two outs. But he got the job done, got a weak liner to Goodrum, and there you go. The Tigers locked down their second win in the series, 4-3. Jamer Candelario was 5-6 for six with two RBIs. It's a new career high and number of hits for him. So, hey, like I said, it wasn't pretty at times. It was ugly often, but the Tigers come out with a series split, and that's all you can ask for, I guess, after you lose games two and three. And it was kind of the opposite of what I expected. I expected the pitching to be really bad and the offense to be okay, but yeah, that didn't happen. But it's also, it's so early that I don't think we should be making any grand proclamations. I still think the offense is going to end up being better than the, the pitching. That's not to say that, that either of them are going to be terribly good, but you notice, like, the Blue Jays were getting shut down pretty hard, too, by pitching that we all kind of agree isn't all that special. So I think we had an issue, maybe, with hitters just not being quite ready for regular season games or maybe something screwy with the batter's eye or maybe just their eyes not adjusting to playing indoors but I yeah I don't who knows I don't expect the Tigers are going to hit 143 with runners in scoring position and strike out at a 33% clip for the rest of the season that said it's fun to just look at a couple quick little small sample sizes 50 strikeouts their first four games that's pretty bad it's not the worst start in early history I looked it up the, the 2013 Astros struck out 56 times in their first four games of course they went on to go 51 and 111 that year so hopefully that's not what, what's in store for the Tigers it was the first time in franchise history they'd been shut down twice in the first three games. Uh, they scored just two runs in their first three games, which they hadn't done since 2003. And they scored just once in their first 34 innings. Not great. And then some early unpleasant performances. We got Kristen Stewart is one for 13 with seven strikeouts. The only hit was that two-run bomb, so I guess we'll take that. But yeah, it's not a great start for him. Mikey Matuk is 0 for 13 with seven strikeouts. And Miggy is just two for 15. On the positive side, Jamer, Castellanos, and Goodrum are all off to solid starts, so that's nice to see. And uh, yeah, so that's all the ups and downs with your old English D.
Speaking of ups and downs with your old English D, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew was prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. So I think maybe we can admit that there's still awkwardness, right? Just that it's been transferred from you to me while doing these ads. And I'm okay with that. I will bear this burden for you if it means you've returned to perpetual tumescence. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And I'm happy to bring in Stacy Gatsoulias from a Baseball Prospectus and from Locked On Yankees to give us a little bit of a preview of this upcoming series against the Bronx Bombers. Stacy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and thank you for pronouncing my last name correctly. I, I, you know, I was going to call you the Greek goddess of talk, but I didn't know if that would <laughs> offend you as, as either a woman or a Yankees fan. So, But I did it anyway, so I guess here we are. I've offended. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, so the Yankees uh, just lost two or three of the Orioles. What uh, what the hell is with that? <sighs> well, um, pitching <laughs> mm-hmm. not being great. Um, it, Paxton didn't do bad. He just had a bit of bad luck in his last inning. And then the Yankees like to do this thing where they'll they'll wait until the last second to try and make a comeback and then come up short which they did on Saturday and they did on Sunday so it's just annoying yeah, <laughs> to see them do this against the Orioles of all teams but you know it's stuff happens and it's only the first series and it's just I wish that they would be more of a more variety when they get up to the plate instead of trying to swing for the fences sort of thing which is mm-hmm. what got them into trouble against the Orioles in the last game I they left a, a small village on base. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> when you do that, you can't win. <laughs> yeah, got to get a man eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, it's like you said, it's it's so early. It doesn't matter. They're, they'll be they'll probably beat the Orioles 15 of the next 16 games or whatever. But uh, we got a three-game series coming up here. I'm curious what uh, what the Tigers, what Tigers fans can expect from the pitchers they're going to be seeing from the Yankees. There's Domingo Herman and Masahiro Tanaka, I believe. Yes, and then that TBD dude, I don't even know who he is. So he, he tends we'll to see, own we'll the Tigers. Yeah, works out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Herman is one of those guys that he changed his the, the amount of times he pitches his pitches. So in 2017, he threw his four-seamer more than his curve. And in 2018, he flipped it. And in 2017, he threw his changeup more than his sinker. And in two, uh, 2018, he flipped that as well. The Yankees tend to have guys, it's not that they're anti-fastball, but they like when guys have more than a fastball and kind of make them throw it more. And his sinker and his changeup tends to run more inside against left-handers, while the curveball tends to be low and outside. 
and his four seamer because you know he has four mm-hmm. pitches that he uses and he uses them a good amount the the four seamer seems to be more middle up uh depending on the handedness mm-hmm. and then the right-handed batters his sinker stays outside but he likes to throw his <laughs> four seamer and his curveball inside and he doesn't tend to throw his change up against right-handed batters so we'll see like what he does on monday and how mm-hmm. it works for him you know he doesn't have crazy velocity but it's not you know, it's not like he's throwing 89 miles an hour either, but I think the mix of the pitches, if he can throw them correctly <laughs> and he doesn't like screw up in any way, you know, and depending on who's catching him, I'm not sure if it's going to be Sanchez or Romine because Sanchez has been catching the past few days. So it'll be interesting. You know, his ERA wasn't great last year, but again, you know, it's better to pitch with four pitches than with only two. Yeah. So that's what they should expect from him. Now, Tanaka, he had a really good opening day, which was nice. Nice for him because his previous three were horrendous. <laughs> he was 0-2 with a 9.49 ERA in his previous three opening day starts. So Oof. Yankee fans were a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, nice Just to get that monkey off not knowing which yeah, which Tanaka was gonna show up. But he did really well. He now he ran into trouble in the first inning and he got out of it because Jonathan VR ran into trouble and ran into a batted ball. So thank God for right. that, because it looked like Tanaka was kind of losing it a little bit. And then he settled down after that. He retired eight in a row at one point. He didn't walk anyone, so his control was really good. Boone was planning on keeping him in, I think, to throw uh, six full innings, but Tanaka gave up a double to his last batter, so he only pitched five and two-thirds. Threw 86 pitches, and he looked really annoyed when he came out of the game, but I don't think he was annoyed that he was taken out. He was probably just pissed that he gave up a double on his last pitch. Now, with Tanaka, everyone knows he throws a ton of pitches. He favors his splitter, but he throws a slider, a four-seamer curve. He even threw a cut fastball on Thursday and two sinkers, so he will be all over the place (laughs) against the Tigers. So that's what they have to look forward to. (laughs) I think we got to see Tanaka and Herman a little bit in spring training, yeah, and it was, it seems like he just always owns the Tigers, at least in spring Mm. training, but probably in the the regular season, too, so um, (laughs) yeah, and and as you said, we we don't really know who's starting on Wednesday yet. How about the hitters? How are they looking so far? Well, they were looking okay on Thursday, but some of the, you know, they scored seven runs thanks to Voight's three-run home run in the first, and, um, you know, uh, Greg Bird hit a garbage-time home run to make it 7-2, and there was some scoring in between, but the stuff that reared its ugly head on Saturday and Sunday was creeping in on Thursday's game, and I spoke about it earlier, the whole leaving people on base. Luke Voigt, I think, left eight or nine guys. I think he came up with the bases loaded twice on Sunday, so... You know, and he's one of those guys where he just tries to swing for the fences. And, you know, in some cases, you need to maybe poke a single or, uh, you know, try and do something other than hitting the ball out all the time because you're going to get out. So that's an issue. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton didn't look good in a couple of at-bats this weekend, but his last at-bat against Baltimore, he actually worked a walk to load the bases for Voight, who didn't do anything. So... That is an issue that they need to work on. You know, Aaron Judge said that the Yankees need to play like their backs are against the wall, and they're not doing a great job of it so far. So <laughs> they need to familiar. improve on that. Yeah, the uh, I know the Tigers all off season were talking about cutting down their strikeouts, and they've got 50 strikeouts in the first four games. So Ugh. you know, the best laid plans, I guess. <laughs> 
Um, I did see that. It was, saw like Gary Sanchez hit a homer today, right? Yes. Um, what, of course, it was a solo home run because no. why would he hit a home run with someone on base? <laughs> well, I'm kind of yeah. I was kind of curious what you're expecting from him this year. You know, last year was such a rough season. I am hoping. You know, he doesn't want to admit that his shoulder was an issue last year, but it was an issue last year. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you know I don't expect him to come out and play the way he did when he first came up and he was hitting home runs like every game, but I would like a happy medium uh, because last season was just a nightmare for him and one of the worst seasons like of all time from a like a a regular player so you know I would be happy with him you know hitting 20 maybe 25 home runs something like that and keeping his average uh above 200 Mm -hmm. (laughs) this year that would be nice (laughs) the Mendoza line yeah it's a it's a low bar to cross Mm -hmm. and staying healthy I mean you know health is everything in baseball. I mean, you know, the Yankees are pretty right now with Batances, Severino, Gregorius out. You know, Gregorius is out until July or August. Severino should be in by May 1st, I think they're saying. But, you know, that's a big hole to fill. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Well, it sounds like the, the Yankees might actually be vulnerable for the, the Tigers right now. We'll see. I don't know the next time they play, but it seems like it's going to be completely different then. But, yeah, maybe the Tigers can slip in there and win a game or two. And that's what's funny about it because before the season began, you know, all the uh, New York columnists are like, oh, the Yankees have an easy schedule in April, so this should really help them. And I'm sitting here going, um, (laughs) that may not be the case because the Yankees, they ended up having a good record against Baltimore last season, but they started off horribly against them. Mm -hmm. I think they like lost six out of eight against them at some point. And Baltimore was awful last year. And I had said this on my own podcast where the big difference between the Yankees and the Red Sox last year was the Red Sox beat up on crappy teams and the Yankees had issues with them. So when everyone started writing about, oh, the Yankees have an easy schedule, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, as gotta... we've seen so far opening weekend, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> yeah. you guys, your guys may have <laughs> a good time against the Yankees these next three days. You never know. You still, you still have to go out there and win. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't obviously have much time to to chat on these 15 minute uh, shows but uh, i didn't want to talk i know that you're in the process of working on a another podcast a pop culture themed podcast basically what 78 70s 80s and 90s you said yeah for people who are you know around my age and a little bit younger because i'll be 45 in august so i'm you know gen x all the way and i thought it would be fun to do a podcast about 70s 80s and 90s music movies and tv shows Um, I still have to come up with a name for it. I've had plenty of suggestions, and I already have people lining up to want to talk about really obscure movies and TV shows, so that'll be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to launch it at some point in April. If I have to push it back to May, that's fine, but we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds interesting. I mean, that's so I was just going to, since we're doing a crossover uh, podcast here, I thought I'd ask you about your favorite. It used to be a big thing on on TV shows to do crossovers, so I was going to ask you about uh, if you had any favorite crossovers from back in the day where, you know, one show uh, joins another one for a special episode. Well, my, yeah, well, my favorite thing, actually, I mean, you know, aside from real crossovers where, you know, actual characters would go on different shows, I really just loved seeing people from other shows appearing on The Love Boat and Fantasy Island playing completely different people because that was always fun to watch. And all different types. Like, you know, you'd see old movie stars and whatever, but sometimes you'd see people from soap operas on the show, because I watch soap operas also. But yeah, you know, the Love Boat Fantasy Island tandem on Saturday nights was pretty good in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, that's one that I used to watch a lot of reruns from shows in the 70s, you know, in the 80s when I'd stay home from school all the time. But I never got, you know, I never really saw The Love Boat in, in Fantasy Island. It was more like Good Times and stuff like that. I'd have to go back and check those out one of these days because uh, yeah, people always joked about The Love Boat, but uh, so I have to see what I'm missing. <laughs> oh, you're missing a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stacey Gatsoulias from Locked On Yankees. You can go, obviously go and listen to that on your favorite podcast network. And you can also find Stacey on Twitter at, at StaceGots. Uh, and I don't know, Stacey, is there anything uh, you have coming up that you want to talk about or good to go? Oh, no. I'm actually um, concentrating on the podcast for now thinking about trying to revive my I had a random box score series on the hardball times and I'm thinking of reviving that because I used to like writing that and I stopped writing it almost a year ago but I miss it and I want to do it again so maybe look out for that at some point in the next few months sounds good to me thank you very much and again, I want to thank Stacy Gutsulius from Locked On Yankees and from Baseball Prospectus to give us a little insight on the Yankees series coming up. And that's it for our show. We ran a little long today, but I thought it was worth it to get that interview in. So, uh, yeah, please, as always, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Himalaya, of course. And send me messages. I always want more questions. So, yeah, contact me at LockedOnTigers at Gmail or at LockedOnTigers on Twitter. And, yeah, tomorrow I'll see you. We'll talk about that first Yankees game. Thanks for listening.